Ladies and gentlemen, citizens of the universe, fantasy footballers, Dynasty League dirtballs, NFL draft fans, and DFS degenerates worldwide, this is the Roster Watch Podcast, presented by RosterWatch.com. Roster Watch Nation, prepare for pop, flash, and sizzle. Prepare for knowledge bombs and cockamamie business. The Roster Watch crew is here to deliver the goods you can't find anywhere else. Here is your host, RosterWatch.com Editor-in-Chief, Alex Dunlap. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to episode eight of the Roster Watch podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap here, as always, with Byron Lambert. A quick reminder, right off the bat, hit you with this early and often. Uh, if you're listening to this on iTunes, please give us a rating. Uh, you guys have given us a bunch of five star ratings. We certainly do appreciate it, but we know now, thanks to state-of-the-art analytics from our marketing guy, that certainly many more of you are listening than are rating this program. Please, if you're listening to the program, you like the podcast, go on iTunes, go on Stitcher, give it a a five-star review, give it a thumbs up. It takes you two seconds to do it there in the app. Uh, With that, Byron, ton to get to, a whole lot of uh, moves in free agency, some of which I think we discussed to end... Uh, and last week, but I think when our last podcast came out, was that pre, was that just official tampering period at that point or had free agency officially opened up? It was either the day or two before. Okay. So that, I mean, this is the first time that we're going to get to address it. We might be, we could possibly rehash a couple of things that we went over on the Sirius XM uh, radio program over the weekend that I was on with the trash man. Certainly haven't had Byron's takes on some of those guys. So let's just hop into it with some news and notes about free agency. Whoa, whoa. First things first. <laughs> Am I burying the lead? Did the trash man provide anything of value on the Sirius XM radio show yesterday? Uh, I mean, I think some, with some of his takes, he provided comic relief. It's about all you can expect. <laughs> I think so. All right. Hey, I'll tell you what, though. Like I told the people on the radio program, have you read his uh, rookie spotlight on Christian McCaffrey? After I read the Ryan Switzer one, I had to... Quit reading. <laughs> Got you on too much tilt. I'll tell you what, man. Yeah. Can't like, sully my mind with that garbage. Well, here's the thing. The trash man generally does a garbage job, but that Christian McCaffrey write-up's good. You need to check well, it out. Well, the thing is, the trash man is actually a very talented writer, and he's a sneaky <laughs> good evaluator of talent, yeah. <laughs> but only, only in the ways that really, really bug the hell out of you. You can find it all at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. It'll cost you less than a cheap cup of coffee. All right, news and notes. What in the hell is going on with Tony Romo? Has the, has his practice jersey story gotten out? <laughs> no, and it's not going to get out. Not through this medium. I don't know. I, I don't think they can. I I don't think anybody's. I just think a lot of the league has called the Cowboys bluff on this. I don't think anybody's going to give anything up for him because they know that they're hamstrung. They're going to have to release him. The Cowboys are. The, the, you think the Cowboys have raised? They've thrown out a little feel like a little three, four times raise <laughs> I, on the river to steal the pot. Yeah, what, I somebody's mean, got an ace high and thinking about calling the rest of the league has an ace high and thinking about calling <laughs> I, them down. I don't even think it's the rest of the league. I think it's the I think it's the Texans. Yeah, I think the Texans and the Broncos have an ace high. I I don't think the whole league's tripping over themselves to get Tony Romo. You think there's any truth to the notion that? Teams just simply aren't interested in Tony Romo. 
I mean, there's got to be, yeah. There's some some teams aren't going to be interested After in After our Romo. big Tony Romo-Mike Glennon argument right here on, what, Podcast 6? Might have been. I still think it's absurd that somebody paid Mike Glennon $15 million, but 43 years, $45 million. It, Like, you find me one Bears fan that's happy about that, and, like, we can have the discussion. I think it's ridiculous. Bears fans are used to losing. And even they think this sucks. Do you think there's any possibility to my wildest dreams come true that Tony Romo stays with the Cowboys as a high-end backup with his best opportunity to, to win a Super Bowl? An opportunity in which I think he'll, he will probably play. They can't afford him. They, they, they're under, they, even with the cap's new, even with the cap opening up more money, they still, I think they, they need to cut, they need to shave like $10 million off. You can't pay that much to a backup quarterback. I mean, a backup quarterback is very important. I get it, but you're the one that always says you can't even trust him for one quarter. It's like if he's your backup and you got to go win with him, then isn't that the same thing? Well, it, you're not it, paying you're not paying D- uh, Dak Prescott anything though. I get that the, the salary the constraints on the salary cap are what they are, regardless of that. But you would think that the Cowboys could find a way to average, you know. Eight million dollars or well, I mean, something between their two at the quarterback position. Well, are you saying that you think, given the relationship with Romo, they could leverage that to say, "Look, we're not getting any interest here." Well, they might the, have to call Romo's you're bluff. Not getting any interest on the open market? Romo here. might be trying to re-raise I mean, I out that. of position here, way out of position. And then there might be a fold by teams like the Texans and the Broncos, and then Jerry Jones might think about calling him down for some kind of. You know, I'd offer him nine million to be my backup at the Cowboys and have five million invested in the position for this year. That's that's a low. That would be one of the lowest in the league. Anyways, it'll be interesting to see what happens. The ultimate snake basket. What what's that? Free agent running back Latavius Murray visiting the Jacksonville Jaguars. Didn't Adrian Peterson visit or he scheduled or He's in Seattle. He's in Seattle. Peterson no Peterson won't schedule. So that was Latavius that I thought about with Vigilant. Latavius Murray, Chris Ivory, TJ Elden. Yuck. I just yuck. They're paying. I just, what, what are they bringing in Latavius for? They have a crappy offensive line. He's not going to be able to do anything behind them. I just want to see why these teams like Minnesota and Seattle and Jacksonville are looking for. Like, Latavius Murray's not your answer to your shitty running game. It's your shitty offensive line. And Latavius Murray can't shed tackles. So it's like you're, you're investing in completely the wrong thing. And it's a, piece that, it's a piece that is going to be supplemental to the entire unit. You know, I mean, half of the running game is the offensive line. Half of it is the running back. You're not, you're, you're not even investing in a good running back that's going to make the offensive line look better. You're just investing in a running back that's going to be exposed by your bad offensive line if you bring in Latavius and, and you're one of these teams. You think, uh, what do you think the chances are this is a manufactured visit by his agent uh, because Latavius is from Florida? Uh, and there's some kind of seeming, but you just can't imagine Jacksonville paying him too much money. Let me see if I can pull up who Latavius's agent even is. That seems like a real Rosenhaus. Um, let's just go here. And do you think that that would? I mean, I mean much, that makes much, a little sense. I don't much think he's getting much think interest on with, the market. I think he's contacted the Jaguars. Said, look. These idiots on Twitter, man, they call us out for saying Latavius stinks, and like Reg doesn't want him, and no one else wants him. 
Jack Del Rio thinks he stinks. Looks like his agent is, I don't know exactly who it is. It looks like the company's rep one sports. On to another running back. Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell out for six weeks with the core muscle surgery. These are usually some type of hernia. Does this change your tune at all on how much you covet the first pick in PPR? No, I, I can't believe it. I was talking about yesterday on the Sirius show. I was telling Trash Me, can you believe it that there have been, if you look at the My Fantasy League ADPs for just regular, you know, redraft leagues for next season, there have only been like 50 of these drafts so far, just real maniacal idiots that draft this early like us and the listeners of this show. <laughs> but can you believe that Le'Veon Bell's ADP is 1.06? No. I can't hear that. That's crazy. It's In PPR? Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, Mike well, Evans and Odell ob- Beckham are both going ahead of him. That's obviously going to change, but. It's going to change. But that, here's hey, the thing. if it doesn't get it up go- to 1.01, then we're going to be uh, trading for think, that pick. Well, here's the thing is what, I, is what I think is going to happen is these early, like, MFL 10s and early My Fantasy League stuff – I mean, we basically we can shift ADP with our drafts. You know what I'm saying? Like with the like with the volume of M- MFL tens that you know we'll be taking part in through the spring, and with how we kind of do some of these early mock drafts and stuff like that. It's almost like us and people in the industry and in the dynasty industry sort of kind of have a piece and sort of shifting the ADPs as it comes into summer and the rest of the fantasy industry kind of catches on and starts doing the IDPs for for the ADPs for redraft and or kind of the projections for redraft and where you think guys are going to go and stuff like that. And then from there, of course, it's shaped by the news from the, from camps and all the rest of it. But I, what I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think even these early trends are going to show us that it's going to be, I think it might be people are going to be picking their flavor between David Johnson, Le'Veon Bell and Ezekiel Elliott. I think in, in certain situations you can see any, any of those guys go from 1.01 to 1.03 or 1.04 if a wide receiver does sneak into the mix somewhere in there in the top three. So I, just, I think that Le'Veon Bell, you're going to be able to get him a value again this year. The big name running back free agent market pretty cold so far. And, and, and I'll say this too. Whenever we, I, I, I wanted to ask about it, but I think that was a sports hernia thing. It's not going to be any big deal. I wanted to ask about it at the combine, but I figured since we hadn't heard anything about it, that he was going to avoid any kind of offseason surgery. My brother had a sports hernia surgery. He says the first few weeks you just can't even move. Well, but your brother's no Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I never heard truer words. <laughs> I don't think I have With either. the cold running back market, I have a question. Do you think there's any chance? What do you think GMs, what are the chances GMs are just saying, hey, we're going to wait until after the draft to address the Adrian Petersons, the Jamal Charles, maybe the, even the Latavius Murrays of the world? You think you think teams are thinking at this point we're just going to wait for the draft? It's such a deep running back class in the draft that all these these running backs are all going to have to just wait until after the draft. If I were the Redskins, I would have already signed Adrian Peterson. <laughs> I've talked about this. People think it's so cockamamie. They're not, and neither are the Giants, and neither are the Raiders, and I don't think the Seahawks are really that interested. All, even though he's up there. I'm starting to wonder if GMs have made the decision they're going to wait to see how the draft shakes out before they, they spend be. money I mean, on any of these the, free agent the, running backs. It's, it's just the, it's so deep. Which means that guys like and Jamal Charles and Adrian Peterson might have gone to mini camps. This could be, will be, it'll be fascinating to well, see. What about Eddie Lacy? Do you lump him in in that camp? Probably. He's too fat. 
He's such a he's so fat. It's so funny how they said that he went to he he visited three he visited Seattle, Minnesota, and then Green Bay. <laughs> right? Just like his, his visit to Green Bay. Are we fascinated with Bill Belichick's fascination with Brandon Cooks? Yes, yes. I talked about it yesterday on the serious show. What what do you think? I mean, to me, it remind, honestly reminds me of an Al Davis. This is, <clears throat> to me, Bill Belichick never values players this much, especially somebody who's going to be impossible for him to have any kind of mega production in, the, in that offensive scheme. To me, this is a pure schematic move, and it reminds me very much of Al Davis. Bill Belichick has decided that pure first-round, you know, Olympic-style speed schematically is extremely valuable to his offense. I don't think they're expecting Pro Bowl production from Brandon Cooks. I think it's a purely a schematic move that gets Belichick very excited in terms of football concepts. I think that he's, I think exactly, and we talked about it yesterday, I, I, I think that probably one of the things is there are ways that he can, that he sees that he can exploit defenses with an exact player of Cooks's ilk. But my question is, one, we told you guys on this very podcast. I, I I hope if you own Brandon Cooks, you you were able to get that first rounder out of him. I'm not sure that you can that that trade value is still attached to him. First, where what do you think? I think pe- some people are some people look at this and they say, "Oh my God, the Patriots wanted Brandon Cooks so much, he's about to go bananas." And that could be the case. The Belichick wanted him that bad that he has a specific plan for him. I mean, is there any I've way you could imagine him being a consistent? Ultra consistent producer in that offense. Well, I'm kind of a trash man, and I kind of think that Julie. Maybe they're starting to plan post Julian Edelman. He's always hurt. Oh, absolutely. They're they're trying. I mean, Danny Amendola's always hurt. Hogan's always hurt. Malcolm Mitchell's. All, I mean, he could. Uh, he's a jitterbug, dude. This is an off- the ball in his hands. Like they they might be able to line him up in the backfield and hand it off to him, or so they could have. They could have plans that we just don't even know. Oh, I about. expect him to be used. What do we know about Belichick? Is he loves the Troy Browns of the world? He loves these jacks of all trades. I think he sees it in Cooks for sure. This is a guy I expect him to use. You know, like Deion Sanders would say, this is an offense that you can put a chair at 15 yards if you're a defensive back and you could sit in it. <laughs> and you can squat on this offense. Right. So Belichick wants to say he wants to this. break that right. up. He wants that deep threat. But I also do, especially in games where Edelman might be injured. Certainly see Cooks being used a lot in the slot and things like that as well, where he could, if he gets the reception, if he gets the volume, he's going to be a monster. Well, if he, oh, Brandon Cooks with Julian Edelman volume, that's like to be like the best player in fantasy. But that, I just don't think that can happen this year, barring Julian Edelman injury. And I still yeah. think you got Malcolm Mitchell. You it's still got be Chris Hogan. Up and down. You got it's Gronkowski. Be, got, Love the Dwayne Allen signing. It's too much. Too many options. It's like Belichick roulette with the running backs. Now it's going to be with the wide hey, receivers. Still trade Brandon Cooks if they take for it. a first rounder in your dynasty rookie yes. draft. A high, you can, I think you can get a high first one for it too. And Top I, half. And, and we hope you got Michael. Hope you got your hands on Michael Thomas before he got too expensive. I tried. I couldn't get him. I have a question. With we've talked a little bit about the running backs. We mentioned Adrian Peterson was in Seattle, probably just for a casual visit. That's been a long, casual visit. Our girl, just jo- Josina, says he's still there. It's beautiful up there. I'd the stay. Emerald City? I'd stay. I'd go to the fish market. 
You think he goes up there and does those super intense workouts even while he's up there on a visit for three or four days? You think he makes sure every day to get out and hit that gym for those two or three oh, hour yeah. monsters? Anybody he meets, he's got to shake their hand real Just hard. Crush it. Yeah. What do you think about the Luke Jokel signing in Seattle? It's a Seattle, very Seattle signing. That's opportunistic. They need it. They need the help. Jokel, I mean, I don't, you know, I think PFF, a lot of the times their grades are a little bit cockamamie. I mean, that's no, that's, you know, that's no secret. That being said, if you look at the PFF grades for Jokel, I mean, you got to be pretty bad to be like rated, honestly, one of the worst every single year for every qualifying snap you've played. He's been, he's been no good. So, isn't it funny know. that guys like Mike Zimmer, make fun of PFF to the media. But then there's a few coaches that come up there and will quote the PFF stats as a qualifying hey, reason. Man, it, takes all, hey, it takes all different breeze to survive in, this, in, the, in the underbelly of that nasty NFL. You got to be your own cat. Indeed. I don't know. I think what we've learned is just the fact is the Seahawks just do not value putting big money into the offensive line. Never have, never will. And they've drafted these been guys a huge that are like tight like skinny guys or something like that because they want it to be some kind of zone. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know. They don't invest a lot of money to it. So I think that that's, yeah, I think that's, it's Seahawks-ish. But I think that there's a lot of these situations. I mean, there's a lot of these situations. We were texting about it just earlier. Well, what do you think the about Oakland? These, 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 well, I mean, I don't put Oakland Who is that in the to same, the Chargers? Yeah, the, all the LA stuff messes me up. But yes, yeah, the Charger, the LA Chargers. Now, I like it. I mean, but I was kind of, I was more talking about like what people are doing now with the guys who are highly drafted, highly coveted prospects that have disappointed in varying degrees. The Chance Warmax. I mean, the, well, I was thinking like, about this list. We talked about the a Riley Reefs. The it's a it's it's a Larry Warford now. Lar- is even in that the guys who aren't even I being signed that, for their second contract. I can't contracts. believe that Warford, after what we've just seen in him, this turned out that he's looking like you he's know, a bust. What do we say? Fluker is now gone in San Diego. I'm not, I wasn't surprised to see that, and he got picked right up by the Giants. I'm just saying. You think about the list. Think about the list. Luke Jokel, Larry Warford. Chance Warmack. Chance Warmack, Jonathan Cooper, DJ Fluker. I mean, you start really can you you know, can you make a good is that crazy that that's a second team line? Matt, Matt Khalil. Is that a second team offensive line? Those are all Greg Robinson. Can coaches and GMs look at that group of players and say I can make a great starting offensive line out of that group? Well, you should be able to. I've seen a lot of those guys with my own two eyes, and like Greg, if you have a if you have an offensive line of five guys of of the Greg Robinson, dude, Greg Robinson and Larry Warford is your guards. I don't care what PFF says, or I don't care what a lot of these you know these people say, unless there's a pro scout that's watched every snap of every every one of those guys. And can t- and can tell me that yes, they you know I know the exact scheme they were running. I know what their exact assignment was in this scheme. I know what their hand placement needed to be. I know what their power step needed to be. I know what angles they needed to take to get up the field while engaged or to get to the second level. I don't I don't really care what what anybody has to say. I know that those guys were amazing prospects. It seems like Chance Warmack, something happened with him to where he just never got his head around the NFL game. But even in the NFL, I think. 
I know. We've seen great flashes from I mean, it's hard as it's hard as somebody that during the season we analyzed fantasy football. So we're we're usually watching the wide receivers. We're looking at, you know, you know, coverage usage and and we're you know, we're looking at the quarterbacks and the running backs and sometimes an offensive lineman will pop off to you, but it's not like you it's not like the most often thing that you've seen and we have even seen it out of out of Robinson. You know, we've seen it out of Warford. Some of those other guys, I'm not sure that I've particularly seen it. But, yeah, I mean, I think if you're talking about all those players with all that first-round pedigree, I know that at least in in the interior of that offensive line, you can make a good starting offensive line out of those guys. So, yeah, I find it very weird. Well, on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have a team like the Cowboys who's done a terrific job evaluating offensive line talent. Stock They certainly have the opposite beliefs of the Seahawks as far as trying to do retreads. They want good players across that offensive line with Ronald Leary gone. Now with Doug free retiring, it's a time to sign us up for the Dan Feeney hype to the Dallas oh, Cowboys. Dan Feeney to the Dallas Cowboys. Let's, let's get it done because L Collins then could bump out to a tackle, right? Or, or Zach Martin can play tackle. We know Zach Martin can play tackle. Six, four. I don't know. I mean, maybe. Yeah. Probably does he have? Y'all thought Zach Martin looked good at the Senior Bowl at tackle. What do you mean looked good? I thought he looked fantastic. I was, I, I, we came out of there saying this, this guy's got to be, he's got to be a first round pick. I mean, so yeah, he looked great at tackle, but I always projected him to move inside the guard just because of the length. I mean, he he was fine. I mean, he played, he played tackle a little short on. He played tackle at Notre Dame. Yeah, it's just his arms are a little short. Well, it's just the same way, you know. Listen, it was the we the writing on the wall for this situation has been there for one to two years. And this is why we were beating the drum for a potential Nick Martin to the Cowboys last year. Not only for the, not only for the Papa John's commercials and all the cash they would have got from every local car dealership and everything to have those brothers show up and sign autographs. But the same way you say Zach Martin's a little short to play tackle. You like him better at guard. I think a lot of teams felt that way about Nick Martin, as far as a better center uh, than a guard, but boy, Dan Feeney was this year's Nick Martin for us, probably maybe even better at the Senior Bowl. Do you think he has guard tackle versatility? No, only a guard. Yes, I think that. I mean, he played tackle in college. He played some tackle in college, but no, he's a guard, dude. Feeney's a guard, and he's a and he is a sick one. He's 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 one of the better ones that I've ever gotten to see at the Senior Bowl. He's on. I mean, he's honestly an amazing prospect. He was. He's probably. From this year's Senior Bowl, behind an OJ Howard, in a in an o- Cup, in an yeah in a, in a, in an OB, and a Hassan Reddick, and a Hassan Reddick. It's like he's up there with those he guys. He was a top five as far player. As a, he was a top as a five player, a, yeah, and pure athlete. Yeah, we love Dan. His Feeney. feet, are, dude. His feet are disgusting, and his punches grow. Like he, he plays with a mean streak and a motor. I mean, like, I, what do you, do you he think? Was, he was he was dominant. You think he's a first round, or you think he's like a top fifty I, pick? I would take him in the first round. I think he's. I, if if you gave me the over under on pick thirty five, I'd say under. That's what they're saying about Obi now as well. Hey, that's how those all senior bowl. That's how those all senior bowlers do. On the on the roster, watch all senior bowl roster. With the additions to the offensive line, I personally think that Adrian Peterson will also be a nice fit in the NFC East, but maybe with the New York Giants after the addition of Brandon Marshall, improved offensive offensive line, Paul Perkins. Who we think we're is selling really more the dynasty combo, stock. A selling, bit. We love Paul Perkins, but we're selling him in dynasty. We're selling the dynasty stock. What do you think of this trade that I this trade I put out that this guy's actually thinking about? I think he's going to counter me. 
It's Paul Perkins, Amir Abdullah, Deshaun Jackson, and 1.02 for Le'Veon Bell and Des Bryant. Amir Abdullah, Deshaun. Amir Abdullah is worthless to me. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson. Yeah. And what is it? 102? Yeah. yeah. So you're trading. I mean, basically, you're hoping to get somebody of the caliber of Le'Veon Bell at 102. So you're just locking that in right now. And then you're getting Des Bryant for Deshaun Jackson. What if, would you, so. I don't would, care about Amir Abdullah. Would you do that for a 1.02 and 1.06? I think that's what he's going to counter with. No, it's too much. It's too much. Instead of instead of coming off with Deshaun Jackson? No, he's going to say... He's going to ask for both of those and Deshaun Jackson and Amir Abdullah? And no. Paul Perkins. Sit tight. Yeah. Sit tight. Looks like Shane Vereen is going to be back, though, in New York. They're not going to bring in Adrian Peterson. They, got, they have rebuilt... Like, it seems like it'd be a good fit. I just don't think they're going to do it. Is there any way that they bring in Eddie Lacy? Because Ben McAdoo might have had some time with him in Green Bay. Sure. Well, it'll, it'll certainly tell, tell you what McAdoo thinks about Lacy. If they don't even sniff around him, that's all you need to yeah, know. Yeah, that's all you need to know about what he thinks about him. Rashad Jennings released what? In early Fe February. Early February. So we always keep that in mind. So there's Paul Perkins, Shane Vereen, now back. Orleans Darkwa. Just re-signed, uh, re I believe, on on a one-year deal to come back. So probably or Orleans Darkwa, uh, you know, going to be some kind of some kind of fantasy pain in our ass at some point. I guarantee you that if you're involved in that New York Giants running game as a fantasy owner, there will be swindles that come from that guy possibly at the goal line, at least for next year. I don't know. I mean, it seems like they've kind of done what they can to sew up what is kind of a Seems to me like kind of like a makeshift running back group there. I'm not. You think Adrian Peterson fits into the picture with that? I personally do. He just I mean, I didn't in. think Paul Perkins got the. Rest, uh, he's you know, he didn't get as many receptions as I thought he should have gotten. He's not been a great blocker, so I'm not sure I'm ready to call Paul, Paul Perkins a third down back. But I just feel of him as a complimentary one. I think Adrian Peterson would be nice on first and second down in that offense, and I think Shane Vereen is a good change of pace. I think that'd be – to me, that's a good group. To, just like we like Brandon Marshall, Odell, and Sterling Shepard just as a complementary group of just different sizes and skill sets and you know ranges and everything, I, to me it would apply to the running back situation very similarly, but maybe that's not on their radar. Looks like Anquan Bolden is going to return for his 15th season. Chalk him up for six to eight hundred yards and seven, eight touchdowns. I'm not yeah. sure it's fantasy relevant. Do you think he's a Hall of Famer? I do. I would have to have his lifetime stats in front of me. It's hard for me. And that that dude. I was listening to the uh, SI Media podcast that Richard Deitch does. Really underrated podcast. I think probably a lot of people don't listen to. If you're into like. I guess, well, I don't know. Maybe if you're not into hearing about the media, but it's just about interviews with the sports media and stuff like that. And he had on there, oh, man, what? Who, it's, who's the guy? Uh, Jim Trotter, is that his name? Jim, yes, Jim Trotter. San Diego. Yeah, NFL Hall of Fame voter. And I just think that whole process is so cockamamie. He detailed, why, he detailed like, so, you know, what it's like being in that room for some of these arguments and, I think those voters are idiots. I don't know. I, I think I, I would have to see his lifetime statistics and his numbers and have them in front of me. But even if I did, it's just so hard for me to say, you know, yes, I think he'd be a Hall of Famer whenever I have to sit here and 
reconcile the fact in my mind that that T.O. is not in the Hall of Fame. And so, like, I don't even know what a Hall of Famer really is. Like, it's well, also, do you, I guess in my mind, I think Anquan Bolden. I think it's a good argument that he belongs in the Hall of Fame over or before Calvin Johnson. I mean. I guess Calvin Johnson's already retired, so he'll have the opportunity he's gonna, to get he's in gonna, first. Is, I, guarantee, I, I think Anquan Calvin, Bolden Calvin has had Johnson, a better career than Calvin I, I, Johnson. I, I will give you. I will give you just straight up. I'll give you minus four, like four hundred that Calvin Johnson's in the Hall of Fame before Anquan Bolden. First ballot? No, just that he's in there first. That he's that Calvin Johnson's in there before Anquan. I don't want to have to be collecting Jimmy John's sandwiches seven years from now. <laughs> okay. Gonna have to make notes to keep up with that one, yeah. man. This is an interesting one. Dave Gettleman's pulled up his big boy pants. All the way underneath all the way to up underneath his big man boobs. Yeah, he cinched them tight. <laughs> What'd he do? In, an interesting signing. I kept thinking that the Panthers would be a real obvious uh, destination for somebody maybe like a Tory Smith, knowing they were gonna lose Ted Ginn. They didn't do anything. It looks like that he's had a bargain basement contingent plan all along. He went to big lots for some right, right there from in the division, a guy he's seen plenty of. The Panthers have just signed wide receiver Russell Shepard from Tampa Bay to a Russell three, Shepherd, huh? three year deal worth ten million, only two point one million guaranteed. Hey, Dave Gettleman is laughing all the way to the bank. He sure is. What do you think about Russell Shepard? I mean, they're I not happy with their I receivers. Mean, do, you, do you remember Russell? Do you remember the huge fuss over Russell Shepard even coming out of high school when he was supposed to come to Texas and went to LSU and he was supposed to be the you know one of the top prospects to ever? I thought that was him. Ryan Paralu. It was Ryan Paralu was just just as well. It was both those guys. It was also John Brantley that that went on to go to Florida. But yeah, I mean Russell Shepard. Obviously, I mean I've always kind of considered him a little bit of a sort of Cecil Shorts type player. I think that he's. You know, I think he's a good player. I, I think that we've seen flashes out of him the same way that we had sometimes seen flashes out of other guys in that receiving core that I couldn't get them to. I mean, is is speaking of t like is Kenny Bell still in Tampa? Guys like that. You know, we, I think we've seen flashes Kenny, out of the, the Russell Shepard. Sailed Kenny, on Kenny, well, Kenny Bell. What Kenny I'm saying, what I'm saying is, it's like I've seen the same kind of flashes out of him. But who knows what his pro scouting department has on Russell Shepard? That's an interesting and kind of odd signing you know it was clearly somebody that they faced every you know twice every year russell shepherd at lsu's pro day in 2013 peeled off a 446 40 yard dash 38 and a half inch vertical 10 foot two broad jump eight reps on 225 what was the broad jump it is pro day 10 foot two and what was not the a vertical? monster but 38 and a half on the vert so i mean four four six i you have to imagine this signing is to try to replace Ted Ginn. I think that they believe this maybe is an athletic guy they can put. Looks like it looks in like, certain matchups on the outside. Yeah. Okay. So Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell. Well, listen, but Ted. Baltimore, I didn't know that Kenny Bell's now with the Baltimore Ravens. Is he on their practice squad? He might have to play. He might have to play with all the, the yeah Max Exodus around there. Rashad Perriman's going to finally get his chance, but he has to stay healthy. Is there any? I mean, Ted Ginn was pretty fantasy relevant the last two years. Is there any way that Russell Shepard can replicate what Ted Ginn's done the last two years? I just, I'm only interested in the deepest of dynasty leagues. How much do you want to own Kenny Stills in fantasy? I just don't want to. 
People need to know that we were on the very forefront we front sure, of the telling, Kenny Stills love. Hey, I told I, I try I try to tell all the roster watch nation. I mean, we're in Austin. We've seen he's program. a sooner. We saw him dominate time after time and said this guy is he's a, a lot only, like he was a lot like a Stevie Johnson in some ways. Well, and not only that, yeah, well, yes, he could get I, over I the top that. better. Yes, I love that, but I I think that not only that, we were the first ones telling you the Dolphins want to keep him. The doll, you know, like that's what that's the the whole fact finding mission was with Adam Gase that I, about Devontae Parker, our question, our line of questioning about him at the combine that caused all the media stir about you know how much he hates Devontae Parker and stuff. Like we, this whole Kenny Stills thing and how it affects Devontae Parker, how it's going to affect Jarvis Landry, even how that's interwoven in with the Julius Thomas narrative and this adding of weapons narrative that don't point to. Devontae Parker getting a bigger workload. I feel like we've been on the forefront of all that. And part of that deal was, you know, Kenny Stills is not a lock to be going to one of these teams that wants one of these fast wideouts like the Philadelphia Eagles or the the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, it's like that's not that's not a lock. Speaking of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, what we've been telling – what our sickest dream we've been talking about on this very podcast was Deshaun Jackson – to the Buccaneers, our talks of that, even from the combine, we were throwing that out as a potential uh, hypothetical. Certainly we've seen that happen. And as we discussed before, honestly, really love it for the volume of Mike Evans. My thing about I love the, it for both players. My thing about Deshaun Jackson, I asked you just that hypothetical about Deshaun Jackson earlier because I'm in a fantasy league where I have him. This is a, or a dynasty league. And in this dynasty league in particular, it's maniacal. And so too encourage trading we're only on four-year contracts with these guys and djx is in his last year of his contract with me so i have to trade him with that being said if i didn't own him in that league i think i would value him more now than i did than i did previously and it's but it but it, it seems like the perceived value with my league mates has gone down somewhat what do you think of that I think it depends on your roster situation. If you're looking at one to two years, I mean, I think that I want Deshaun Jackson. Well, no, but what I'm saying is there were trades that I was offered previously that maybe I didn't accept or just I, – I, I got a good gauge of where Deshaun Jackson's value sort of was. With you're my getting lower days. offers It now. seems like the offers that I'm putting out are commiserate with, the, commiserate with that same level, and it seems like they don't they – don't, um, I, I, I know that I cannot – I know that I could not get an early second – in Dynasty for Deshaun Jackson post-2016 season. Are you surprised that the public is on the wrong side of things and that Roster Watch Nation is a step or two ahead? No. But what I'm saying is, like, I feel like for me personally, in this Dynasty draft, there's going to be a huge drop-off at, like, pick 3.01, 3.02. If you can get Deshaun Jackson on your team for a late second-round pick, I say do it because I am going to be pissed off that if if that's what I'm going to have to trade him away for just to get his to get his contract off of my books by the deadline. Not all leagues have that situation though, where you have such a motivated seller. You're a very motivated seller of well, Deshaun Jackson. I guess that's true. So right? I, I guess you have to take that into consideration. But I still don't think I think even when you add in that factor, it's I mean it's hard to hard to quantify for all the precipitating factors. But I still think that people don't think that Deshaun Jackson's worth really a second round well, pick. Well, if I right was now. in a win now mode, I would trade a second round pick in my dynasty rookie draft, maybe a late first round pick for Deshaun Jackson. Even with a late first round pick. Oh, and I found out I've even heard him pronounce his own name. It's Alvin Kamara. So we can stop with the Alvin Kamara. So we've Kamara, had it right. Kamara. Yeah. Um 
But you can get like an Alvin Kamara around that spot. Are you comfortable trading away an Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey type? I saw type? people floating him above Dalvin Cook. In the dynasty or in real-life NFL terms? Real-life NFL draft. You forget that NFL draft Twitter that goes off the rails. Is that overreaction to Dalvin Cook's combine? Huge, I mean, we like overreaction. Well, I, f- I feel like our take around here, like at least on this podcast, our, for our, the, the Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com here with Byron Lambert and Alex Dunlap. Make sure if you're listening to this on Stitcher and on iTunes, please give us a rating and or review. It's how we know that you like it. It's how we know to keep on doing it. It also helps immensely with uh, sponsors. Um, but, you know, our general tone on this podcast has been, I don't know, that we've... I, mean, I have, said at the last you, podcast, you, I think Dalvin you, Cook is now a. I think it's was been a little later bit first round pick, probably around number twenty, maybe later than that. And I, think, I've said all along, Kamara is a guy who I probably a second round pick, but could sneak into the late first. Wouldn't be surprised if he's top half of second round. Do you think? Deont- I don't think he'll sneak into the late first, but it, you know, I I wouldn't be shocked. Do you think Deontay Foreman can still sneak into the late first? It's going to be tough. We'll see. What if he runs a four 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 at yeah, Pro Day? He might. Just depends on what you're looking for. I don't think teams are in the business of spending late round first round picks on running backs. If you're not a, if you're not a clear cut stud round one running back, then teams just look for something they they let the value fall to them. Yeah. Teams draft running backs starting in the second round. This is an unusual year where we're going to potentially have these first round running backs coming off. Yeah. Dayton Jones visiting the Minnesota Vikings. Friend of the friend of the program. Great friend of the program. Basically, Dayton's the original player friend of the program. He actually coined the term maniacal for Roster Watch Nation. He sure did. Yeah. He we did. have to credit Dayton Jones for introducing that to the to our to, 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 the, the, lexicon. to the Roster Watch lexicon. He did, man. He told because he told us in a, our private interview with him, he just said that like his effort is maniacal. You know? I could see Mike Zimmer kicking him to the inside for a little pass rush, maybe kicking him out to defensive end on occasion, having some versatility there. Yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just happy for him that he's getting the looks in free agency. He was looking for a little while there, like his career was taking a bit of a downtick coming into year three. I think he had a big year four, and good for him. I think he's going to get paid something. Time for our regular uh, Deshaun Watson discussion. <laughs> Regularly scheduled, so people are on tilt. I just can't get I. I I can't say it enough that I just can't believe that people are being such idiots about Deshaun Watson. The more I watch of him, and I will say this, I think that the biggest glint, like, and I think an important part of doing this is, it, you know, it, 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 admitting where you're, you know, weak, kind of. In one place I'm weak and evaluate, like, you know, like I depend on guys like, guys like you and I listen to, you know, friends like Mike Loiko and friends that we have close to us about these quarterbacks, just because I, I don't, it's hard for me to tell what the exact mechanics and it's there, you know, there, there are things about it where I'll always generally kind of defer, but I love, I love watching them and I love trying to wrap my head around what, you know, what makes these guys good picks and what doesn't. And with Deshaun Watson, like I said, we, we've seen all these guys throw every year at the, every year at the combine. We have, six years now of like comparables that we can just look at and look back on, look at our notes on and just kind of have as part of our collective memory. And I just don't understand how anybody can tell me that Jared Goff is worth trading the 
kitchen sink, like throwing the kitchen sink, mortgaging the farm for in the first round, and that Deshaun, like you get laughed at whenever you start talking about how maybe it could be a good idea for the San Francisco 49ers, like pick seven, to look at like a Deshaun Watson. And they just say, you've got to be crazy. Like he's not ready. Like what's wrong with you? And I'm just like, what, what am I missing? You really do get laughed at. What am I missing? And it's such groupthink, and people are so afraid to be wrong and be on the outside with the wrong takes because as humans, we have such a need to belong and uh, identify with a group that they'll laugh at you, and people are scared to make those takes. We're not scared. What I will say is I do find it fascinating that there is a Mendoza line at 55 miles an hour on the velocity at the combine for crappy quarterbacks versus good quarterbacks. I haven't seen the study, which which is interesting because you know I think that velocity, ball velocity, is something that we'll need to do next year to add into our catapult data. It's an idea we floated to the sports scientists this year. We're gonna every hey, here's the deal: if you're not making it bigger and not making it better, you're not growing, you're dying. So next year, we're gonna try our best to to get to get the chips inside those balls. So, in the last podcast, we were talking about how well Deshaun Watson was laying it out there, just really catchable throw. Touch on the ball, making it so easy for us to evaluate the wideouts. I didn't, one note I had, I didn't really get a chance to mention was that he did seem a little measured and the ball to me wasn't, it was coming out, you know, to me it was obvious his velocity wasn't that high. It was a it was it was a soft softer throws. It certainly wasn't popping out of his hand like the ball was coming out of Trubisky's hand. You know, Mahomes clearly had the most strength in driving the ball down the field, even though he had some accuracy issues. Obviously, with a receiver group, he's never choreographed. Not to cut with. you off, but between those three guys, like, does, does, did Deshaun Kaiser even have any of the qualities of any of those three? And I like that's another thing that I just don't. Well, I'm get. just a little bit concerned. He got may have gotten drowned out and lost by a, just a terrible, terrible quarterback group in session one. They're in group four. We're gonna. Well, he's gonna require more film evaluation. Right. Uh, however, where I was going with that was to the point I would have liked to make in the last podcast is that yes. Deshaun Watson's velocity, it didn't look like he was throwing the ball that hard. Now, I don't know if that's because he can't or because he was being measured. My opinion was... Because he can't. My, opi- my, the- my opinion was that he had so many questions about accuracy coming into the combine that his number one objective was to be accurate. And I think he was, take, he was, he was taking something off of him. I think he was lobbing him in there, measuring him, trying to be precise laying out catchable balls, and he achieved that goal with f- flying colors. I thought they looked like beautiful balls. So I don't, I mean, I had no complaints about it. I think that once you get into the minutiae of the... It's a potential what, explanation. What, what was it, 49 49 miles? miles an hour is way sub 55. Now, you can to me, you see plenty of throws, pro throws on tape where you can zip it in there. You know, But I'm wondering if somebody's going to have the radar gun out at Clemson Pro Day. Uh, i don't know we'll have to contact our sources in the our high level sources in the scouting community and see how they crunch that kind of data when evaluating quarterbacks yeah i I don't think i'd be very interested i'm not even sure that they have it yet i mean the people we've talked to with this i mean you saw how the scouts reacted to us giving them the catapult data you're like holy shit what i mean holy shit 
you have this on prospects. We only have this on players on our own team. When I look, Josh so, Dobbs, Miles Prower is not available. I expect him to have a solid velocity out there. Mahomes ripped it at about 60 miles an hour right at the very top of the food chain. So we're talking about a curve here. Of, we're talking about a – or I'm sorry. We're talking about like a spread here from – 10 miles an hour. It's, it's a significant amount. And there is a significant Mendoza line. Like yeah, I mean, like there's you, a historical there's people president. People aren't good under 55 miles an hour. His, there hasn't been his, historical president. It's been. Bad. I wonder how long it goes back. Kind of like the eight inch hands for quarterbacks. There's only a few guys with the smaller hands that have been able to excel at the quarterback position. You got to have that bushel of bananas. What do you think about all this discuss discussions of Rex Burkhead? Why is there so much Rex Burkhead hype? Am I missing something? You don't remember Rex Burkhead at the end of the season? I mean, he won me a bunch of money in DFS. More, did he go off more than Zach Zinner did? Yes, he was. Well, did he, he look beastlier? I, he would have gone. Yes, he would have gone sicker had he had more games. Rex, Rex Burkhead was Rex Burkhead went big for for men's salary on on DK for a PPR monster. I think twice visiting the Patriots today. Let me look at Rex Burke. I'll look back at Rex Burkhead's game log, but I seem to remember it. I think it was two games in the I think they were playoff games because it all it all just ended. Either that or did the did I, maybe the Bengals didn't you know the Bengals didn't make the playoffs. So that was towards so the, the Bengals end. are facing losing Rex Burkhead having Gio Bernard coming off an ACL and pretty much an ineffective they Jeremy need to get, Hill. They need to they're in the running runner. back market. Yeah. Well yeah. And you think they're in first round running back market if somebody sick slips to him? I think they're drafting pretty high. I'll have to check that out. I want to say Rex the top 10. No, it was only the one monster versus Baltimore that Rex Burkhead had, but he but he got the ball 27 times for 119 yards and two touchdowns and caught two more balls for 25 more yards. As far as draft order, who, who are you asking about? The Bengals. I think they're number nine. Rex Burkhead. Let me give this really quick. Since, since he picks it nine. Yeah. Rex Burkhead at the NFL Combine. What was this, 2000? I I'll see Rex Burkett. I'm five ten. I'm not saying it's just because he's white, but I see it as like a Toby Gerhard, a guy that gets to play at the end of the season and goes a little bit big, maybe like a Zach Zinner, <laughs> not because he's white. Oh, look, either. He's from my neck of the woods. I'm not from Plano, but he's actually from Plano. I'm from right down the road in Plano. That's interesting. Five foot ten, two fourteen, nine almost ten inch hands, nine and three quarter inch hands at the combine. There are Rex Burkett truthers out there. Thirty nine inch vertical. Was a top performer. 125-inch broad jump. What's that? 10-5. He was a top performer. And he was also Dude, a, he is... was a top performer in the three-cone, the 20-yard, the 60-yard. So Rex Burkhead's an elite athlete. What is there a Rex Burkhead? Is me, he a, do you think does he see, does, it I, sounds I, like he fits what the Patriots want? Is he a big differentiator oh. from a James White and a He's he'd be a he'd be the absolute perfect patriot. And a Dion Lewis, how much different is he from those guys? I'm not sure that Belichick cares how much different they are. He likes those kind of running backs. You know, two fourteen. I think James White. I want to say is. Do you know what his comps are on mock draftable? Hmm. I figured he'd have better comps than this. He's a lot like uh, Jonathan Grimes and Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon, who's been... Do you remember Brandon Jackson? Four-game suspension for Kenneth Dixon. George Wynn, our boy, our boy Agent Linton's George Wynn. Ryan Williams from Vatech. None of these guys... Joyke Bell, none of these guys are that good. I figured that the mock draft would be better just because of his... Uh, it's pretty good explosive measurements. It's just the 40-yard dash, 4.73. Ooh. So... 
Boy, that's slow. Yeah, that's the reason why the Jonathan Grimes and the Joy Bell sluggish kind of uh, part of it. I'll bet you if that was a faster 40. God, 39 inches. You, you, you generally don't see those really good verticals and really good broad jumps with guys that run slow. Falcons GM Thomas Dimitrov has decided to stay. He's going to hold. What? Devontae Freeman oh. is looking for a contract extension in his final year of his rookie contract. And Dimitrov says he alludes to the idea that they're going to let Freeman play out the contract this year. Yeah. Apparently there's been some undercurrent of potential, sounds probably like this manufactured is- or contrived, but potential potential of a Devontae Freeman, people being an, interested in a trade for Devontae Freeman. Well, they should be. And Devontae, for, and we love Devontae. I mean, you guys in Roster Watch Nation are pro members. Of course, you can find all the, all this content and more at rosterwatch.com with a pro membership. It costs less than a cheap cup of coffee. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by rosterwatch.com, so please support us by getting a, joining our community, getting a pro membership there. One of the things you'll be able to look at is Devontae Freeman's Pro Day footage, you know, Pro Day interviews with him. We love Devontae, and we traveled all the way just to basically see him and Kelvin at their Pro Days. And I don't know. I think that... He's he what he's I think tried that last year he got I think that last year is saw the year Tevin Coleman get sick yeah and he that's the year he came in and he started he'd had the year under like a Stephen Jackson where Stephen Jackson had been there and even on Hard Knocks we saw Stephen Jackson telling these guys like look I made forty million bucks doing this like blah blah like all you know and Devontae was still just like a young first or second year guy and he's just he's kind of come along and I think he's kind of a that's the kind of guy who. He saw it was like the lead alpha dog and how they acted. And so I noticed this year he started saying this stuff about how he's the best running back in the league. And he probably had some talks with he's his tough. agents about this stuff. He, and he's so tough. I think this is probably something that's been sort of bubbling underneath, maybe going back to the beginning of this last season, coming into year two with, with Tevin Coleman. What? So I, I think I just, I can see, yeah, I have, it does not surprise me one bit that there's things starting to kind of simmer up around there about that stuff. And, and if I were Dimitrov, I wouldn't pay him up right now either. You got other, you got things you got to take. Well, that's care the of. question. So I think he's he's trying to squash the notion that that Freeman is available via trade. I'm sure he's always willing to pick up the phone. I think he sounds seen, to me like he's putting it out there that he's up for know, trade. He probably, you know, <laughs> how hard is it for him to? I think it's hard for him to give Devontae Freeman. A, you know, can you stomach paying Devontae Freeman? If you're a GM, can you pay him top three to five running back, top three running back money in this league on a big contract? Especially when you feel like oh, maybe well, it's what a ex- what product exactly of the system with the you- Tevin Coleman being good last year. He might, they might feel oh, that's And true. then it's a guy you drafted in the middle rounds that you were never that sure about his athleticism. So now are you wondering, is this thing a mirage? You still wonder, is it some kind of mirage? Is this sustainable? I can mean, I, I've seen an elite player. In oh, that can position. I pay? Oh, so I can pay him top three money. Let's just look what top three money is, and it's not that much. Guess what? It's, it's, it's seven what, and a half million. It's a what year. Jonathan Stewart's making. It's what Doug Martin's making. It's a little bit more than what he Lamar wants Miller's more making. Than Doug Martin. He wants more than seven. He's going to want ten million he wants a more, year. He, so he wants more than Lashawn McCoy. I think he'll probably He's be happy on an eight with that million a year McCoy deal. Contract. LeSean McCoy got a lot of guaranteed money in that deal. Let's see, LeSean McCoy's deal, a, a, a Rosenhaus deal. Let's see, it was um, five year, forty mil, eighteen two guaranteed. Let's look at um, let's look at. I mean, let's look at just let's look at Doug Martin's deal. We know his situation is nefarious, but 
Um, it looks like he had 15 mil guaranteed. So Devontae's looking for 20 mil guaranteed. He wants more guaranteed he's, money I mean, than LaShawn McCoy. I think that's McCoy. what he's going to be asking for is 20 mil guaranteed. And they're going to probably come down to say, no, it's going to be more like yeah, 17.5 to 18 guaranteed. So, yeah, he's going to want to get paid top three money, and he deserves top three money if that's the area that we're talking about because doesn't that feel about right to you? Yeah. And who has that money to give him? And there's other teams I think he'd be a good fit. I think he'd fit very well in Philadelphia. Yeah. I think so, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that. They could use him. I'm not sure they have the cash. Why do you think Seattle's sniffing around Adrian Peterson? Just doing due diligence? Or, did, or is their jury still out for them on Rawls and ProSize? I mean, based I asked Pete Carroll about ProSize, the split between those two, and his evaluation. Between of, Rawls and CJ ProSize yeah, and I Seattle. asked him, you know, what is what specifically I said, what role has CJ ProSize carved for himself in this offense moving forward? And, you know, it was very much a jury still out kind of thing. He was super happy when they finally got him on the field and got the production. But he just says, hey, we, we don't know if the guy could stay on the field is basically what he was saying. So they like him a lot, but they don't know if he could stay on the field. They've really got limited tape on him. And then Rawls is injured all the time, feels like, or banged up. Yeah, and one of the things we'll be getting up on the site, hopefully in the next few days during the week, will be the uh, Combine Audio Vault. We're still trying to figure out if we're going to get that thing on SoundCloud or whether we're going to put it on our own uh, kind of download section there for our pro members inside your dashboard. So just hold tight on that. We probably have about a hundred questions you'll be able to comb through and be able to get some unique insight on from stuff that we asked all these head coaches and GMs. Any other bit of news and notes you want to touch on? Yeah. What do you think? I didn't get to talk about this with you. What do you think about Martellus Bennett and green Bay? Is there a chance of a Jermichael Finley type renaissance? <laughs> at the tight end position for our fantasy leagues in Green Bay, or is this just uh, I think Martellus business is, as usual. Yeah, I think it's business as usual. You don't want too uh, much include, of it. In, including, in, including higher than reasonable expectations out of Martellus from the fantasy community. You're not too, you're <laughs> not too interested in redraft of, of Martellus no, I mean, Bennett I, as a, no, as a top be. five tight end? Oh, no, not as a top five tight end. No. Can we list top five tight ends? We want more than Martellus Bennett yeah. in our in our. Redraft leagues yeah. next year. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, um, Travis Kelsey. We still high on Jordan Reed. Yo, yes, that absolutely. was a big disappointment last year. Jordan Reed, even with Vernon Davis getting re-signed. <laughs> I don't care one bit about that. Um, Jordan Reed, um, probably Delaney Walker. I know he's getting a lot older, but he was a little bit of a disappointment. I think I'd, I think I'd rather have him more than Amitellis. Yes, I think I'd probably rather have Jack Doyle in Indianapolis. I Jack think I Doyle, would. that's going to be a sneaky one. Is that is that what are people doing with Jack Doyle right now in their dynasty leagues? Oh, I can look and see if there's been any trades. Maybe somebody who hadn't probably hadn't been affected too much by any of this. Um, let's see. I'll pull it up on the on DLF to see if anybody has some kind of. Some sort of Jack Doyle stuff. Let's see. Doesn't seem like a guy whose name is probably flying around in all the trade offers in the world and generally would just be a kind of throw-in type. I'd be surprised if there's any true kind of 1v1 or 2v1 trades here involving a Jack Doyle, but I'll search. Yeah, no no trades. It says that it searched 67,697 completed trades. 
in 2825 Dynasty well, Leagues, and there's been no recent action we'll, on Jack Doyle. We're looking Doyle. for tight end maneuvers in our Dynasty Leagues. I'd also, I'd also taking the temperature. I'd on. also rather have Jimmy Graham. That was my next question. You like have, Jimmy Graham more than Martellus for yes, sure? Yes, I also yeah. want Tyler Eifert more, and I also want Zach Ertz more, even though I think that... Really? Yes, even though I think that Zach Ertz... Nah, might 106 be a little, targets. Might be a, a lot of targets last year and only 14 games for Ertz. So we want Kelsey, Graham, Eifert, Gronkowski, Olsen. This is just off the top of my head. I don't even have a list pulled up. But I've I think got it pulled up, Ertz. Olsen. So we're saying Martellus Olsen. Bennett's probably going to be probably going to be the sixth to ninth tight end off the board. And that's a guy who traditionally just I like think, that. I'm just thinking about the bones like of the that. cheat sheet. That's a guy you can we're get gonna own the, him. So, well, I, was, I, was, I think I was, we're going to own him. I'm not saying. Well, that's the generally where with the bones of the cheat sheet. We don't know exactly how ADPs are going to fall. The fact is we don't. And the fact is that every cheat sheet every year is, you know, very well. It's its own Frankensteinish animal. And you just got to, you got to adapt and you got to adapt and let that thing take its own shape. But what I think, it, I think that doing enough of the cheat sheets, the epic roster watch cheat sheets. Well, we the bane of our existence is all summer. But the thing that makes you guys, the thing that makes you guys your money, um, or at least puts you on the path to making your money is, I can see him marks like generally that tight end around tight end of 10 to, you know, t- tight end nine to tight end 13. There's just not that once you get past tight end three or four or something like that. How much more much do you like Martellus Bennett than Julius Thomas in Miami? Is that close? I hate Julius. I think he sucks. Can't trust him. I think he hates football. We love football. I love, I, I love football. Is there anything else? Or is it about time to get out of here? I think it's about time to roll on out, man. That is episode eight of the Roster Watch podcast. Uh, just for content up on the site this week, rosterwatch.com. As mentioned before, Trashman has a new Christian McCaffrey dynasty rookie spotlight up. I will have one up this week uh, of my scouting evaluation and my final takes on Mike Williams, the wide receiver out of Clemson. Byron's working on some stuff right now for, I believe, Samaj P. Ryan and Keevan Lucas, a guy out of Tulsa, who we, we're going to need to talk did about. Did you see that video I sent you? I did, I did, I did. But we can't, we're, that's I'm gonna, ready to go get some lunch. That's going to be the tease coming out of it. For Byron Lambert, for Alex Dunlap, this has been the Roster Watch Podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. 